0: Hey everybody, Aaron Bishop here. I just wanted to let you know I have written a book. It has been published and it is available now on Amazon.com. The name of the book is The Power of Passover, a Christian's Guide to the Festival of Redemption. If you want to know what Passover is about, just a really deep dive into the festival, into its history, and into why we're where we're at today. And even an instruction guide on how to hold your own Passover. It's got everything in it. So if you'd like to check that out, go to amazon.com and search for the power of Passover. And now we return you to your regularly scheduled program. I was raised to believe that the Bible defines good and evil for us within its pages. But when we stop and examine this idea using the Bible, we discover something else. In the garden of Eden, there were two trees, a tree that would bring life to all who ate of its fruit and a tree that brought death. And it was the second tree, the tree that resulted in death, that contained the knowledge of good and evil. Have we been deceived by the serpent who is trying to get us to eat of the second tree? Is the Bible really trying to define good and evil for us? Let's take a step back. Let's run an experiment. Instead of seeking to define good and evil, let's instead ask the question of the trees. Let's attempt to define life and death. But to do so, we must first seek it out. So join us as we daresh Chai, as we Seek Life. Hey everybody, welcome to the daresh Chai Experiment, the show where we marvel at God's handiwork. I am Aaron Bishop here with my beautiful wife, Rebecca. Hey! And today we are in Job chapters 38 and 39. We're almost there.
1: And we get the part that i love the most about this entire book
0: why do you like these chapters the most
1: first of all i just love that god is pointing out his great works and i think that that is very beautiful but i also just love that it's sarcastic in every bit of it it is so sarcastic and it is slightly passive-aggressive as well and I I have a tendency to be sarcastic and passive-aggressive, <laughs> and to see that that is a trait of God is such a wonderful thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah, dang
1: it.
0: <laughs> well, uh, at least you're admitting it, so now I can clip that out and play it back to you
1: <laughs> right? in the future when, when, uh,
0: <laughs> when you're engaging in that. But all kidding aside, these chapters, they're amazing, and I like them too, but I think for a slightly different reason. Although it is, it kind of does overlap with your reason. Because uh, all through this book, Job, he's got to be wondering, God, where are you? Mm-hmm. Where were you? Where are you in all of this? I cannot find you in all of this. And when God finally speaks, he answers with, well, where were you? Mm. Where were you when I did this thing? And where were you when I did this thing? Uh, And and he's almost just turning the question back on Job. Who are you to question where I was? You know? Mm -hmm.
1: And at the same time, he's answering, I was there. Yeah. Because I'm everywhere. And I've done all of this. Right. And you can see all that I have done if you just look.
0: Right. Yeah, and uh, one of the things that's so so great about this is it's the uh, it's the old Jewish rabbi trick of uh, answering a question with a question <laughs> all throughout this. That's, maybe that's there,
1: where they got it.
0: Maybe there are no statements really here other than who did this or where were you or how did this happen or I mean, there's just unending questions. Mm-hmm. Is all that God really responds with, and that can be hard, I think, for us as humans, uh, especially when we want answers
1: instead of questions, yes. instead of more questions, of more
0: questions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but the nature of reality is that you, even if you do get an answer, you get more questions out of the answer. It seems like more often than not. And these yeah, that's for sure. these chapters are are really highlighting that God's entire response is highlighting uh, that nature of reality. But yeah, these chapters, they're really cool, although they are somewhat repetitive, once again, because that's the nature of this book. That's the nature of the Hebrew poetry, especially in the book of Job, is to really just harp on a point. And we've seen everyone else do it up to this point. Might as well see God do it too, right?
1: Yeah, and I think that we do need to just remember that that is the way that... Hebrew poetry is written, Mm -hmm. so that makes perfect sense that this would be. Right. And we need to remember that this is very clearly poetry.
0: Poetry.
1: It is poetic language. Mm -hmm. We do not have to believe that rain has a father and that dew is birthed.
0: Right, or that there are storehouses of snow in the heavens and hail and that uh, gates hold water back right. (laughs) It is poetry. It is poetry. I have had people point to these chapters in Job and say, see, look, this is the Hebrew cosmology. And it's obviously right because God himself is stating it's right. It's poetry, people. Symbolism, metaphor. God speaks to people where they're at. Yeah. Especially when it comes to matters of science. He doesn't disabuse people of their incorrect scientific thoughts Because they don't really matter. And uh, so we'll talk about that just a little bit more. Let's go ahead and read these chapters, and uh, then we can really dig
1: in. Job chapters 38 and 39. Then Adonai answered Job out of the whirlwind. He said, Who is this who darkens counsel with words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man. I will question you, and you will inform me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who set its dimensions, if you know? Or who stretched a line over it? On what were its foundations set? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made a cloud its garment, and thick darkness its swaddling cloth? WHEN I PRESCRIBED MY BOUNDARY FOR IT AND SET BARS AND GATES, WHEN I SAID, THIS FAR YOU MAY COME, BUT NO FARTHER, HERE YOUR MAJESTIC WAVES WILL STOP. HAVE YOU EVER IN YOUR LIFE COMMANDED THE MORNING, OR CAUSED DAWN TO KNOW ITS PLACE, THAT IT WOULD TAKE HOLD OF THE CORNERS OF THE EARTH AND SHAKE THE WICKED OUT OF IT? IT CHANGES SHAPE LIKE CLAY UNDER A SEAL, THEY STAND OUT LIKE THOSE OF A GARMENT. From the wicked, their light is withheld, and the upraised arm is broken. Have you gone to the springs of the sea, or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the expanses of the earth? If you know it all, declare it. In what direction does light dwell, and darkness, where is its place, that you can take it to its borders and discern the paths to its home? Surely you know, for you were born then, and the number of your days is great. Have you entered the storehouses of snow, or seen the storehouses of hail, which I reserve for a time of distress, for a day of battle and war? In what direction is light distributed, or the east wind scattered over the earth? Who cuts a channel for the flood, and a path for the thunderstorm, to cause it to rain on an uninhabited land, a desert with no one in it? To satisfy a devastated and desolate land and cause it to sprout grass? Does the rain have a father? Or who has birth to the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth? Who gives birth to the frost of heaven when the waters hide like stone and the surface of the deep is frozen? Can you bind the chains of Pleiades or loosen the belt of Orion? Or bring out the constellations in their season, or guide the bear with her cubs? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you set up dominion over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with an abundance of water? Can you send out lightning bolts so they go? Will they say to you, here we are? Who put wisdom in the secret place, or gave understanding to the mind? Who can count the cloud by wisdom or? or tip over the water jars of heaven when dust hardens into a mass and clods of earth stick together? Do you hunt prey for the lioness or satisfy the hunger of young lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in the thicket? Who arranges provision for the raven when its young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? Do you know when the mountain goat gives birth? Do you observe the calving of doe DO YOU COUNT THE MONTHS THEY FULFILL, AND DO YOU KNOW THE TIME WHEN THEY GIVE BIRTH, WHEN THEY KNEEL, BRING FORTH THEIR YOUNG, AND THEIR LABOR PAINS END? THEIR YOUNG THRIVE AND GROW STRONG IN THE OPEN FIELD. THEY LEAVE AND NEVER RETURN TO THEM. WHO SET THE WILD DONKEY FREE? WHO RELEASED THE BONDS OF THE WILD ASS, TO WHOM I GAVE THE Arabah AS ITS HOME, THE SALT LAND AS ITS DWELLING PLACE? It scorns the commotion in the town and does not hear the taskmaster's shouts. It explores the mountain as its pasture and searches after every green thing. Is the wild ox willing to serve you? Will it spend the night at your manger? Will you bind a wild ox to a furrow with his rope? Will it plow valleys behind you? Will you rely on it for its great strength? Will you leave your labor for it? Can you trust it to bring in your seed and gather it to your threshing floor? The wings of the ostrich flap joyously, but are they the pinions and plumage of a stork? For she leaves her eggs on the ground and lets them warm in the soil, and forgets that a foot may crush them, that a wild beast may trample them. She treats her young ones harshly, as if they were not hers. She is not concerned that her labor was in vain, for God did not endow her with wisdom, or give her a share of understanding. When she lifts herself to flee, she laughs at the horse and its rider. Do you give the horse its strength? Do you clothe his neck with a mane? Do you cause him to leap like locusts? His majesty's snorting is terrible. His majestic snorting is terrifying. He paws in the valley, and exulting in his strength, he charges into the fray. He laughs at fear and is not dismayed. He does not recoil from the sword. On him the quivers rattle, the spear and javelins flash. With quaking and excitement he swallows up the ground. He cannot stand still when the shofar sounds. At the blast of the shofar he says, Aha! From a distance he smells battle. The shout of the captains in the battle cry. Is it by your wisdom that the hawk soars, spreading its wings toward the south? Is it by your command that an eagle soars and builds its nest high? It dwells on a cliff and spends the night there, on a rocky crag and stronghold. From there it searches for food, its eye detects it from afar. Its young ones suck up blood, and where the slain are, there it is.
0: So after reading through that, it really is comforting that God's a smart aleck.
1: Right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, he just lays it right out there. Job, you really don't know anything, do you? rest of y'all, you don't know anything. Why are you here talking like you know how the world works? You do not know how the world works.
1: You know, in my day job, I clean houses. And... I recently started cleaning for a a certain cleaning company, but I have been cleaning houses for 30 years. And this very young girl was in charge of showing me around to the houses that I was actually taking over from her. And she was supposed to be showing me where I'm supposed to go and what the specifics are about these particular houses. And she took so much time trying to train me on how to clean. Like, here's how you clean the bathroom. Here's how you vacuum. Here's, you have to do it in this particular order. It was just, it was quite frankly insulting (laughs) because she's basically a toddler. I've been cleaning since she, before she was born. And she's trying to tell me how to clean, and it was very insulting. Now, magnify that by about three billion? (laughs) Infinity. Infinity? And you might get a glimpse of what God is doing here.
0: Yeah, all throughout the opening of this book, these guys, they know how the world works. And this is something we've talked about before. I mean, that's basically the main theme of this entire book. These guys know how the world works. They know how God works. They know all of the stuff they've got God in the box. And that's that. There's no changing that. And anybody who tries to say that God is something different than what's in their box um, is maligning God, is speaking evil of God.
1: Yeah, there's no disabusing them of their perspective. Right. They have it all figured out.
0: Yeah, and God comes here at the end, and he's like, you got nothing figured out. You don't know me. You don't know what I know. You don't know what I do. You don't know how any of this works.
1: You don't even know how many organs there are in the human body.
0: Right, And, and what's so cool is the way that he does this with them is he uses their understanding of the world, and when we look back on it and say... Wow, they really didn't know anything. They thought waters were held back by, by a wall. And they thought there were storehouses in heaven for, for <laughs> snow and hail. And just their understanding of how the world works was so far off base. And God comes in and even using their language puts them in their place. So, and we look back on that and we say, wow, they really didn't know anything.
1: But But then
0: we ourselves, we don't know anything. Right. A few years from now, a couple decades from now, a hundred years from now, will science even look the same as it looks now?
1: And when new creation finally happens and we understand things that we could not before, I think we're going to... Be about as dumbstruck as Job and his friends.
0: Well, right, because right now, so much, especially here in the Western world, we are so materialistic. Um, and I don't mean that in that we like to have a bunch of material things around us. Although we do. We're materialistic in that things are just material. There's there's very little spiritual interaction with the material world.
1: We're, we're atomic.
0: Right, <laughs> we can see things we can feel things science is all about what you can see touch feel experience extrapolate and predict and test unfortunately material things cannot predict or test anything spiritual and so many people will look to science to see if there's a god and unfortunately science cannot even begin to prove one way or another whether or not there is a god it's like they can't it's impossible
1: it's impossible
0: to prove from science that there's a god especially when you approach the world in a material way we can see evidence for god
1: yes exactly. it's impossible to
0: prove god
1: but you can clearly prove that it was designed
0: you can, yes, you can definitely infer that it was designed. However, there are areas of science that believe that the universe goes through cycles of entropy and order. And it cycles back and forth. And we just happen to be in an entropy cycle after an order cycle that put all of this together. Hmm. And it's it's just ways of trying to explain away the design the the apparent design of the universe. Interesting. And you know, people will come up with any number of things to try to explain our world. But any theory that you think is how the world works, big bang theory, there's at least a hundred problems with the big bang theory. Evolution, there's at least a hundred problems with the evolution. Any theory that you can think of of how the world works that is commonly accepted, there's usually some problems with it. Young Earth Young Earth even old Earth, there's problems with four point three billion years old Earth and thirteen billion year universe. There's problems with that view, especially with the new telescope, the James Webb telescope things look are looking way more ordered than they should be all the way in the distant past hmm. because the things that we view now traveling at the speed of light, we're viewing yeah. everything we view is many many in many cases thousands of years old. That's mm-hmm. assuming that light travels the same speed in space that it does here on earth
1: <laughs> which we don't know which we don't know
0: <laughs> that's the whole point and that's the whole point that job is getting to here this the book of job not not the guy um is getting to in these chapters is we just we think we know it and we don't right our best science is just guesses it's
1: theories it's, it's literally theories, just theories right
0: theories right it's just theories string theory everybody thought it was all the rage a few years back suddenly there's some problems with string theory it's not looking like it's going to work out
1: i mean guys gravity is still
0: just
1: a theory
0: (laughs) right how does gravity work is it a particle Uh, that was a that was a thought that it's a subatomic particle that has an attractive uh, mechanism to it Or is it the curvature of space-time? You place a body in the middle of space-time, and it bends the fabric, and we all fall towards the center of that fabric. How does it work? We don't know! It's just theory. We have absolutely
1: no idea. Right. And we pretty much stake our lives on that theory at all times. That we (laughs) will, in fact... Stay stuck to the earth.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, I just hope that one day a new chapter isn't added to Job where it says, where, where were you when I turned gravity off and everybody flew up into the heavens? <laughs> right?
1: Because <laughs> that would be an interesting day.
0: Actually, uh, we do read of that in the New Testament, that we will one day join. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that that's true. Air. But
1: only certain people. Only certain people. <laughs> so, that's fair. That's fair.
0: So anyway, all that's to say, we as modern Western uh society, we're very materialistic, and we like to think we know how things work, but we don't uh, so many so many things that we take for granted are in reality unknown, they've just been popularized to the point where we accept them, or they've been taught in schools to the point where it becomes truth, and there's really not that sort of solid truth behind. All of these things we've been taught. A conversation I had recently with someone regarding Genesis chapter 6. Oh boy, you know that chapter? You know what I'm talking about? The Nephilim. Oh yeah, that's yes. what I That's
1: what I was guessing.
0: <laughs> so in Genesis chapter 6, it says that the sons of God saw the daughters of men and thought they were beautiful and went into them and they bore sons and the Nephilim were on the earth in that day. And there's like three different views on that. And...
1: Three this, main views. Three ma- yeah, there's three,
0: <laughs> three popular views on that, I should say. And one of them is really not all that popular. But this person I was talking to refused to accept the thought that maybe angels came down to Earth and slept with human women. Because guess what? Spiritual beings cannot interact with humans in that way. Don't you know? It's ah, impossible. Right. And I refused to accept that. Where is it written that spiritual beings can't interact with humans?
1: We have absolutely no idea. Yeah,
0: we have no clue.
1: We do have spiritual beings eating with Abraham. Eating right. lamb and
0: cheese, cheese
1: and, and bread and right. eating. They had physical bodies they and could physically eat.
0: Yeah. We we see armies of angels killing. There was even one spirit, the Holy Spirit, that quickened the seed of a virgin and created life.
1: That that was...
0: All of us We're is, not...
1: I, I were not suggesting that he had sex with her. She was a virgin. Right. So she was a virgin. Right. She did not have sex. Just want that to be.
0: Yes. Yes. Definitely (laughs) put that out there. That is not what I'm implying in that at all. But we do know that a spiritual uh, interaction with the physical caused life to come about. Right. Who says that angels taking on physical form, sleeping with women, couldn't cause life to be formed?
1: We don't know. That's we, the biggest exactly, thing we're getting
0: at. Exactly. We don't know. And to state emphatically, oh, it can't be that because this cannot happen. Especially when you get to the spiritual and the material cannot interact. I don't accept it. I can't accept that. I've seen too much, <laughs> <laughs> I might say. All of this just gets to that point that we just don't know.
1: And we shouldn't hold our personal ideas as sacred. And that's what's so incredibly dangerous. And that's pretty much the main focus of this entire book is don't hold your own expectations, your own thoughts, your own perception of what you think is going to be or what has been or what is as the end all be all.
0: Right. Yeah, and we've got these four examples of men who knew what they knew. And every single one of them used what they knew to bash their friend who's hurting and in need of comfort. And it's sad to see. And what makes it even sadder is I've been there. Not on the side of the one needing comfort and being bashed. I've been on the side of the guy who knew it and doing the bashing. Yeah. And it hurts to see myself in those friends, to see that their mistakes, thousands of years later, we're still making them. I'm making them. And it's it's such part of human nature and pride to fall into those mistakes.
1: Yeah. And it's easy to point it out in others and to see those flaws in others. Right. And a lot harder to see them in ourselves.
0: Right. So that's really something that I wanted to say about these particular chapters. Is we just, we don't know. So if you think you know, stop. Take a step back. And realize it's just something you've been taught. You don't know. But going through these chapters, like I said earlier, they're very repetitive. He begins with the grand things the the measurements of the foundations of the earth and the skies and the seas and the weather and these things are so far above and beyond and and then as he proceeds through these he he kind of steps down a little bit especially in chapter 39 he moves from the the celestial and the the yes
1: it's creation right foundation of the earth
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then it's the sea mm-hmm. And then it's light, Mm -hmm. morning, and it doesn't,
0: yeah, it's
1: it's not, it's not following a one-to-one, but it is very obviously talking in the pattern of creation.
0: Yeah, because he starts with those celestial things, days one through three, and those big things like the seas and the the earth and the, the skies and all of those things of days one through three, that's chapter 38. And then in chapter 39, he gets to the fish and the The beasts and the animals and these various things like the ostrich that has no wisdom. It's an idiot. It'll just put its eggs on the ground and let the earth warm it. But guess what? You put it up against a horse, it's going to whip its butt.
1: That's right.
0: (laughs) And the donkey living out there in the desert. How does he live? We don't know. Who keeps it alive? You don't know.
1: I love the picture of, have you walked in the deepest parts of the sea? hmm we have Moses never, <laughs> that's true, <laughs> but we have never even been able to get farther than a couple of miles below the water. We have no idea what a vast part of our world looks like.
0: Yeah, the vast majority of our world is
1: underwater, underwater
0: and it has not been even begun to be thoroughly explored.
1: And we recently are... found a whole nother continent. It's under the water but it's a whole continent that we didn't know about.
0: Uh, yeah, it's, it's underwater uh, but it has its own continental shelf, its own continental plates. Alright, so the deepest that anyone has ever made it uh, was 35,853 feet or 10,930 27 meters so that's uh 10 kilometers down into the ocean's mariana trench that's the deepest place in the earth and it goes way deeper than that
1: it's the deepest place in the earth that that we know of
0: and the mariana's trench um the maximum known depth is the depth that that man went to in challenger deep so yeah uh if the highest mountain on earth were placed at that point Where humans made it to, uh, the tip of the tallest mountain would still be two kilometers underwater. It's that deep. You can climb the highest mountain in the world and still have two kilometers of water above you. If you were to place that mountain, the deepest place that a human has gone. How deep is the Marianas Trench?
1: Nobody knows.
0: No one knows. Hmm. No one knows. It's so baffling that people get so sure about how the world works and it gets extremely baffling when people turn to science and say science disproves god Uh, it just boggles my mind and there was a time where i questioned faith in god questioned whether or not he existed and i turned to science but in my search i discovered that I don't know. Nobody knows. And frankly, there's no real way of knowing, and the only thing that makes real sense is God. When you examine the science without all of the science priests, I guess I'd call them, uh, the popularizers, the the Neil deGrasse Tyson and the Richard Dawkins, and if you don't look at what they said, because when you really get down to it, they're really just philosophy. They're philosophizing about what the science means. That's it. And frankly, their philosophy is terrible. It's full of logical flaws. So let's switch gears for a little bit, because uh, this type of language about God and God being uh, the center of creation, the the one who knows and forms creation, it, it doesn't stop here. Uh, and it doesn't stop in the Old Testament. The New Testament authors have some amazing things to say about this. and. I think that as they say it, they kind of have Job rattling around in the back of their mind, especially uh, Paul, because he's the one who says most of it. And he's got Job just kind of rattling around back there, beating these ideas and his thoughts. One of the most famous is uh, probably Romans chapter 1. You want to read right. that for us?
1: Sure. It's Romans 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world... His invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse.
0: Yeah, so he's basically saying just look at the world around you and you'll know that God exists. Right. You'll know that he is real and he's present. And those who look at the world around them and deny God... Uh, they end up corrupting themselves. You know, if you continue on in Romans chapter one, they end up corrupting themselves. They end up corrupting their ways. They end up saying that there's something like seventy-two genders,
1: and uh, <laughs> and
0: that uh, you can be a, a kitty cat tomorrow if you want. Uh, it's
1: and the thing is that his character is clearly seen. Yes, and we, I think that's one of the things that he's he's saying through this whole two chapters is look i made all of this you can see who i am through all of this
0: right so he talks about his invisible attributes things like his eternality you know you can you can see god's in eternality by stepping outside and just looking at the blackness of the sky at night and the because guess what?
1: Distant stars. And... Well,
0: you see a distant star, you're actually looking at something. Your eyes are hitting something that's out there. You look at the blackness, and it never ends. Uh, it never ends. Yeah. It just keeps going and going and going until you reach what may be the edge of the universe. Hmm. And in that, you see God's eternality. You see his invisible attribute of his eternal nature simply by staring into the sky in the middle
1: of the night yeah and there are tribes of Bushmen that have never heard the gospel that have never been taught who God is and yet when they finally do get some contact with other people we find that they have a God myth
0: right because
1: then, they know by looking at creation, they are without excuse. Because they know there, is, there is something bigger than them.
0: Right, and they know that this God is one who takes care of life. Uh, just, just look at the wild ass and lives out in the wilderness. You don't know how he gets fed, but I do, because I make sure it happens. You don't go and kill the prey for the lion. A lion does it himself. I I made him that way. And we can see that God has made things with a purpose and with the ability within themselves to live up to that purpose. And and that is part of God's nature and his character that we cannot deny exists in creation. It's not just happenstance that we all just kind of figured everything out. It's God's design of his creatures.
1: Yeah, and Colossians one sixteen has something to say on that too. It says, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him.
0: Yeah, that's actually really significant because it's it's talking about Yeshua in that particular passage in Colossians one. Um And it says that all things were created through him and for him. And it it talks about the invisible things as well. The spirit world is talking about earlier that interacts with our own world. That world was created for him just like our world was.
1: Mm -hmm. And you can't scientifically prove that it exists, but we experience it.
0: Right. It's all his, even the invisible things, even the things that we don't really even admit exist. And again, I i mean, I keep coming back to it, but here in the West, in our material world, we don't even really believe that demons or evil spirits exist, a lot of us.
1: Oh, but some people believe in aliens. <laughs> we we read of them in
0: the Bible. Right, right. We read of them in the Bible, but oh, but that was just kind of how they understood things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I had a conversation with a listener once, and we were talking about things like demons, and evil spirits and where he was coming from was this this thought that well that was just how they understood the world working we now know that it's its germs and its its sicknesses and it's the it's cancers and things like that that Jesus was able to heal but when he did it they just thought that it was evil spirits or demons and so that's what they wrote down and i i can't agree with that
1: no i can't either I mean, I, I know for a fact that that's not true, because I've...
0: Well, we've seen it. I've but... seen
1: it. But regardless, our Bibles tell us otherwise, that there is there are angels, there are demons, that they interact with us, that they have an effect on us and on the world around us, and, well, and that, it and that... is its own realm. There's a whole different realm of spiritual that we don't we can't see but it does have an effect on us
0: right and that that verse in colossians 1 it really speaks to that the the invisible things of this earth principalities and dominions oh guess what those principalities and dominions they're invisible things right paul talks about it again in ephesians 6 that our war is not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers
1: Rulers of the rulers darkness of, the, of this world, right
0: that it's not flesh and blood, it's not physical things that we're warring against.
1: I got another verse for you hebrews eleven three by faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible.
0: That's actually a really good uh, apologetic for biblical view of like things like atomic structure
1: second corinthians four eighteen While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal.
0: Yeah, so we're physical beings. We're temporal. We die. But guess what? That world, that spiritual world, it doesn't contain things like death. Mm -hmm. Not in the way we consider death or experience death. And all of that, I mean, that, that just opens a whole can of of mind worms <laughs> if you will <laughs> it. <rabbit> uh, <laughs> yeah you you can sit and contemplate that and study that and look at the scriptures on what little it has to say about that, and it will only just scratch the surface,
1: I think the thing, we thing that just we just
0: don't know,
1: yeah, I think the thing we just really need to take away from this whole entire episode is God is bigger than we are right. He is so far beyond our most in-depth knowledge, and he is so far beyond our comprehension
0: yeah.
1: our our most in-depth knowledge and most accurate measurements of of the world and everything are are pocket lent to him. <laughs> he is so far beyond us, and we cannot even begin. To put him in a box and say, you have to act like this.
0: I mean, that's it. You just, you don't know. And you don't know what you don't know. Because you don't know it. That's right. Which means that you need to be willing to say that you don't know a whole lot. And other than that God exists. And that we can discern his attributes from creation, from his word. And that's really the only solid things that we have in this world. That's the only firm foundation that there is to be found. And in those places, that's where life is found. In the
1: not knowing. In
0: the not knowing, in the humility to be able to say, you know what?
1: I don't. I just don't know.
0: know." So have some humility as you seek life
1: in all that you do.
0: Shalom. Thank you for tuning in to derish Chai. If this content has blessed you and you would like more, please consider subscribing, liking, commenting, and sharing with others. To find out more about what we do and to support this ministry, head over to seeklifesc.com. That's seeklifesc.com. We'll see you again next time as we De'er Shchai, as we seek life. Shalom.